This is episode 197 of Alohomora for July 9th, 2016. Welcome, listeners, to a brand new episode of Alohomora, MuggleNet.com's show about harry potter because <laughs> <laughs> we're not rereading the books anymore but we'll tell you a bit about that in a minute i'm michael harley i'm allison sigurd i'm kat miller and i'm caleb graves and we are so pleased to have with us for this new format of a show our very first guest in this way of things sarah molnar sarah thanks for joining us say hello to the listeners hi guys thank you so much for having me well, thanks for joining us. We, uh, you are a brave soul for joining us in this. <laughs> I am honored. <laughs> I'm honored. Tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I am from Ohio. Um. I started reading Harry Potter actually about the fifth grade, so right around age ten or eleven. Um. And it really got me more into reading than anything else had up until that point. Um, and I used to keep count of how many times I have reread the series, but I lost count a long time ago. Um, and I actually started listening to you guys, um, back in September, so it really hasn't been that long. Um, I was looking for other Harry Potter nerds to talk about Harry Potter with, so, and you guys were perfect. Um, and actually I started listening to you guys right after, um, some family members of mine also died, which, and listening to you guys was really comforting, and it was just nice to... Listen to something that made me happy for once. Oh, wow. Aww. We're sorry for your loss, but we're very uh, happy thanks. that we could be there to help you out. And mm-hmm. we're so glad that we can have you on the show today. What, what, now, <laughs> here's a layered question. First of all, what Hogwarts house are you? But we have a follow-up to that now. But what's your Hogwarts house? Um, I'm a Hufflepuff. Woo! And, Hufflepuff! Nice. Yep. Hufflepuff pride. And, and of course... Are now we ready? Because we, we haven't announced our own. We haven't even announced yeah. ours yet. I know. Yeah, I know. It's big. But we'll we'll ask Sarah first since okay. she's the guest. Sarah, what is your Ilvermorny house? Um, good question. I'm not actually sure. Um, <laughs> but I think I would probably lean toward the heart. Pukwudgie. That one. Yes. Pukwudgie. Yeah. <laughs> well... That is a perfect question to uh, reveal that, yes, listeners, this week, as you were hoping and asking for uh, of us on Twitter, uh, yes, we will be discussing the new Ilvermorny School of Magic writing on Pottermore from Rowling. Uh, this is our first topic-based episode. Uh, it won't be our only one on this topic. We are actually going to go ahead and separate out this uh the sorting uh quiz of Ilvermorny for an, a separate episode at a later time uh cuz we want to focus on the story right now that was written but uh, the, of course the discussion of the houses will probably come up at least be touched on here and uh as Sarah has been so kind to do with us today we ask you the listeners to please hold on tightly and bear with us for this episode because this is brand new for us as much as it is for you guys and we are hoping that you will all be uh, contributing your feedback to us in uh, the comment section at alohomora.mugglenet.com so we can 
keep kind of growing the show with your feedback as we've always wanted to do and make sure that we include you, the listeners, in structuring this new version of Lohamora. Well said. Thank you. I try. <laughs> and speaking of uh, our listeners helping us out with the show. We want to take a moment to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Amy Ward on Patreon. Thank you, Amy, so much for Yay! supporting us on the show. What you guys and Amy specifically this week do for us are the, is the reason why we can still keep doing a show like this, even after the reread and having really great discussion topics. And if you want to support us on Patreon, like Amy has, you can become a sponsor for just as little as $1 a month. Really, that does go a long way. Um, it's what's propping us up. So thank you so much. And you can check us out on patreon.com slash alohamora. And we will continue to release exclusive tidbits for our sponsors there. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Thanks. Thank you for being our first Patreon sponsor on our new format. We very M much appreciate it. Michael, are you going to, um, I guess, acquiesce to the request of all your Twitter followers there and uh, read the uh, story? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did get a, re a few requests to read the the Ilvermorny segment, didn't I? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I definitely, I see, the thing was, I was, I was thinking about it and I, this is the problem with, with when I do these kinds of things is I was like, ooh, I could do all these different voices and add in all these sound effects and things. And then I was just like, this is getting really complicated. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can resist the temptation to make it overly elaborate and maybe just do a straightforward read. But, uh, we'll see how it turns out. I really would like to do that because I, um, my roommate, Leandra, had the pleasure of hearing me read it aloud to her before she got sorted. Um, and she enjoyed hearing it aloud. So it would, and it was fun to read aloud, actually. It's an, it's a really neat piece of writing. Um, probably, in my opinion, one of Rowling's better, if not best, recent pieces of writing, um, on Pottermore. So, uh, so yeah, that. I would, I would love to give that a try for our Patreon sponsors. Awesome. I think that they will super appreciate that. And I'd love to hear it too. So selfishly, <laughs> I want you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads perfectly, I guess, into our <laughs> discussion on Ilvermorny for today. And I suppose the first thing we want to look at before we get into specifics is uh, discussing kind of how what our overall impressions were of this new piece of writing. Anybody want to go first and give their thoughts? Sure. Um, well, funny enough, I wasn't even in America when I first read this, which was a little <laughs> yes, bit you ironic. Were, you were busy gearing up to watch Cursed Child, so you I were was. in a completely different mindset. I for... was. Um, <laughs> and it came very unexpectedly, so I actually read it and took the sorting quiz on my phone in a hostel in the middle of London. <laughs> so that was fun. Um <laughs> But yeah, I actually, I agree with you, Michael. I think this is one of the best bits of writing that have come out in a while. Uh, I thought it was absolutely beautiful that she did some really interesting and clever things that tied to kind of the British wizarding world and I'm sure things that will tie into Fantastic Beasts. And I just thought it was overall just a really lovely story that, um, yeah, that was just it was very Harry Potter-esque, and I was very pleased with that. It did feel more like Joe than kind of the other stories that have come out yeah. recently. So I guess what I appreciate it about it, and also 
yeah, what I appreciated about it is she got so much flack for the other stories that she wrote about the history of American magic and all that stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that I disagree with that in any way, shape, or form. But I like that the response to this was generally overall very positive. And Joe didn't seem to mess with a lot of history too much. I mean, a little bit, which we'll get there. But I appreciated the fact that this seemed um, perfectly between history and her world, which is where Harry Potter sits for me. So, yeah, it felt very Joe to me, and I really loved that about it. Yeah, so the thing that I really enjoyed was it reminded me, the one thing on Pottermore previously I really thought of when reading this was when we first got the expanded Malfoy family history um, on uh, Pottermore, so like going generations back, and I felt like I was just talking about that story I loved so much because it was woven into um, actual history so well, and it was just so seamless how it could be like she did what she exactly what she did in the book. She made everything seem so real. Um, I felt this was the first thing I had read since then on Pottermore that felt the same way. And I was just, I, I mean, I, I'm sure like most people couldn't not read it, but in one sitting. And that was the first time that had happened in a long time. I was actually kind of, I feel like we are so immersed in the story, obviously, that takes place in England and with, you know, um, Hogwarts and everything that it was surprising to hear about other wizarding schools. Um, kind of like when, like, you don't even think about it. Like when we first learned about Durmstrang and Boatons and, um, you know, it was kind of surprising to hear about, but once I sort of got into it, I loved reading it. I thought it was very interesting. And like you guys said, it blends historical with Joe's world, which I totally agree with. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because when I, I, I've just finished, it's, it's so funny that I thought with this after the big reread on Alohomora that I would take a break from a Harry Potter reread. And then Leandra <laughs> yeah. immediately asked me to read aloud Harry Potter to her. So I read Philosopher's Stone. I read the British edition for the first time. Um, and uh, it, it was, and we talked, I know that this was discussed throughout the series, but especially during the discussion about Sorcerer's Stone when we had started the reread. But, um, you know, Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone, kind of avoids that bit of kind of meshing history with wizarding history. Like she really wasn't doing that too much. The only thing that comes up is Nicholas Flamel. Um, and that's kind of the plot point, but otherwise there isn't really a lot of that kind of, uh, ex like explaining historical things via wizards being involved. Right. Um, but that's a kind of something that we've now come to expect from Harry Potter, um, especially now that we're going into Fantastic Beasts and kind of specifically fitting it into the 1920s era in New York City, knowing that certain things were going on in that time when Sorcerer's Stone was trying to be kind of timeless. Um, so it's kind of funny that we've developed this expectation that there should be like a, a meshing of history into it. Uh, but as uh, you mentioned, Kat, I think this was a much more successful attempt at that than the previous Magic mm. in North America releases, because yeah. those were so, they were so, I, we had talked about it a little bit, but they were so thin to me. Yeah. Um, they those... felt like they had been forced, like Warner Brothers had held a gun to her head and said, <laughs> oh, do these to lead up true. to Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> See, but those also, the thing about those is those all feel like they're 
they're more just like her notes that someone was like put this in narrative form where they were just mm-hmm. notes of her trying to world build whereas this felt like an actual narrative mm-hmm. um which is what i think makes it so much better <laughs> yeah, it's the... not her trying to figure out all the background that needs to go on for this to work it's she has that established in her head for this story and so she's able to give us the narrative that feels complete right yeah well yeah because the only story that kind of had an, a narrative on those four releases was the one about the the young girl who got tricked um and in like wasn't it by a muggle or something see this is yeah. how unmemorable these stories to me were. even <laughs> i don't remember yeah i don't remember well. anything about them um it's, but yeah. there was kind of like a simple-minded little poor little airheaded witch who was kind of tricked i think and by she might have been tricked by a scour or something like that and that she she's kind of what led to america um being more strict with their wizarding laws than the uk um so it's like that that was the and that really wasn't even a narrative that i think was so embraced by the potter community like those four writings were just not talked about in the way that this has been yeah um the conversation is still going pretty ridiculously strong about the elvermorny information Mm -hmm. um Thus, but, this episode uh, of Alohomora. Yes, and we're no, we're doing nothing to stop that, are we? No. <laughs> so, but we we wanted to try, listeners. Again, bear with us. We're trying out a few new things here. We are going to get to all of the major discussion topics about Ilvermorny and this piece of writing, but we wanted to kind of present each of each of the hosts on the show wanted to present some questions and kind of focus areas that we want to look at as we're going through this to really highlight and guide the discussion it's basically like a you know a proper literature circle critical analysis that we're trying with here um let us know if you like it let us know <laughs> if you don't we'll, <laughs> we'll see what how this will go in future of course too as um we've discussed in planning these episodes we know that we're not going to strictly be looking at information quite as um definitive as the ilvermorny stuff from pottermore we will be looking at harry potter's topics that are more broad more specific from different sources uh, so this format may be changing in future, so we want to hear what you guys think. But to start, we wanted to present our kind of focus areas. Uh, I'll I'll start by saying that I would like to look uh, more at the development of Ilvermorny, because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there, especially in how it ties to Hogwarts. And I'm going to pull out my snaky side today, and I really want to explore the ties to Slytherin House and um, Salazar Slytherin himself. And since I just came back from Britain and I am a English English nerd, um, I'm going to look at Isolt's childhood and kind of the connections to uh, Joe's British wizarding worlds and kind of the literary tradition from Britain in general. And I took something a little more narrow. Um, this is the use of the love magic, the power of love, which um, wakes up Isolt and James um, when they were under a very deep sleeping spell because this is a huge connection, of course, to Harry Potter's story. Um, so I want to see what we think about that. But we'll dive into the main discussion here. And, uh, you know, the story starts by telling us this was a thing that a lot of people were asking because, of course, when we got the last writing 
from Pottermore about the hog, uh, the uh, not the Hogwarts, but uh, but about the all of the schools all around the world. It, it was revealed that Ilvermorny existed as the American Wizarding School, but the map was just ambiguous enough that a lot of Canadians were crossing their fingers, hoping it was just <laughs> over the border, <laughs> and that didn't end up being the case. In fact, Cat is probably the closest out of all of us to Ilvermorny. Yeah, it's in Massachusetts um, at the highest peak of Mount Greylock, which is less than an hour from my house. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's Have you cool. ever been to Mount Greylock? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> but um, one of our senior journalists, Jessica, and I already have an outing planned for later this summer. And we're going to write an article on Finding Ilvermorny. So be on the lookout for <laughs> that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. I can't imagine we're going to find it, you know, being muggles and all. <laughs> Sorry, no matches. But, you know, um, we're going to try really hard. <laughs> but yes, so that we, should be fun. I was very have... excited that it was in Massachusetts. I know the Canadians I... were very disappointed. Um, but it's really <laughs> close to Canada. Massachusetts is really close to Canada, guys. Just <laughs> just pretend it's Canada. Just pretend. Well, and I think it's, I think it's important, too, to remember that she just... I, as far as I understand the way she's written some things, this isn't the only wizarding school in America. This is just kind of the biggest, most prestigious one. Um, from some of her writing on wizarding schools, it sounds like there's smaller ones dotted around the rest of the world. So I'm sure there's one in Canada somewhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just, the, the writing does say the great North American school of magic. So there could be smaller ones, but this is definitely like the Hogwarts of North America. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, but I don't give up hope, Canadians. <laughs> no, that, that that did open up some discussion. That's uh, I know the MuggleNet staff has been having, and a lot of fans have been having about kind of one of the issues being what was the Salem Witches Institute that we encountered in Book Four? If it wasn't a major <laughs> school, it was and, BS. I think is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that you know? Is it is it realistic to think that there is only one? major wizarding school in the u.s but i think one it's worth keeping in mind that Rowling did clarify that even though these kind these schools have been revealed there are still more she kind of hinted at that through twitter because somebody said hey where's the australian school and her response was just keep your eyes peeled that will come later um so it would seem there's a school in Australia. So, the, and there, there is no school. There is no major school um, revealed to have been located in the east, other than um, the one in uh, Mahutokoro in Japan. And I highly doubt that the entire population of <laughs> East Asia is yeah, right. in Mahutokoro. <laughs> so, there's got to be. There's got to be at least. I would imagine there's a school in India and China at the very least. Joe tried um, to pull a numbers game with the Hogwarts student count, but she cannot fool us yeah, with this one. No, nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's not possible. I feel though that because she explained too that there in the in the writing about the other wizarding schools that you know we have a warped idea of how many wizards are out there. There really aren't that many in relation to the general population, hmm. and that a lot of wizards choose to homeschool their kids rather than send them to boarding school. Because that's their only other option. Um, Hogwarts so is free, goes... though, isn't it? Yeah. Except books and stuff. I think Hogwarts has like Hogwarts has a fund for students that can't pay their own way. I think that's just for books. I and think that's for stuff. books. I'm pretty and sure stuff, it's though. free. 
Yeah, they don't have, like, a tuition. I think no. it says in a writing somewhere that it was free, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah I think it is. Pretty sure Dumbledore... that's when Dumbledore goes to talk to Tom Riddle. Yeah, he says he it's free, but and that. there's a fund for, like, robes and books and right. supplies. <laughs> Oh. Homeschooling would be an interesting topic for future because I feel like why would you ever do that if school is free? But anyway, moving well, on. Well, <laughs> you could Maybe. be like Isolt Sayers' aunt <laughs> because she was homeschooled, which kind of leads us into <laughs> talking about Isolt's childhood, um, which is our first topic. Look at that great segue. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, Allison. We- we Thank planned you. that. <laughs> Thank you, I try. Um, so yeah, that's kind of our main focus of this story that we get. Our kind of heroine is Isolt Say- Sayer? Is that how you say that's that? How, that's how the voice of Pottermore says it. Yes. Okay. In, in, the, in the beautiful video is Isolt Sayer. So okay. we'll go the with VP. that. The VP. The VP. The VP. Yeah, vo- awesome. voice of Pottermore. If you want to ever be on Alohomora, come on, come, come on, Alohomora. We want to know who you are. No, probably <laughs> it'll be... probably be like the Pottermore correspondent, and it'll be all secret. Ah, what a you twist! Never know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the first thing we learned about her is that she was actually born in Ireland. Um, in I am I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher this because I am terrible at Celtic spelling and things. But she grew up in Cumlagra. Yep, Cumlagra. Cumlagra. They say it pretty. It's prettier if you're Irish and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. It's Cumlagra (laughs) and I believe Cumcali. Say the vowels at the front of your mouth. Yeah. Cumlagra and Cumcali. There you go. All right, sweet. That's better. So she. Those are real places. Yes. In Ireland, so. So it talks about her very, very happy childhood. Um, I really picked up on this idea that her father called her Morrigan as her nickname, um, which got me looking into a little bit of research. Usually the name is translated into the Phantom Queen, but etymology in different uh, languages, several different languages actually kind of revert to ideas around nightmare. Um, The... (laughs) Morgan of mythology is associated with fate, especially with foretelling death, um, is also associated with sovereignty and cows representing wealth and the land. Um, and she's often seen as a kind of warrior goddess who appears as a crow. So why for this kind of very happy, idyllic girl that we're getting this story for this kind of connection, besides the obvious that like she's a descendant? of them in this story but yeah i'd i'd be more interested to know exactly i'd i'd almost want to hear it from somebody who's irish and knows more about this Mm. because it sounds like morgan is very steeped in irish mythology and roland Uh acknowledges that and puts morgan into her canon um but I, i yeah i don't really i guess warrior goddess would work in that we're already so she's from the get-go she's associating as old as a a, with being a very strong independent character Mm -hmm. um i don't know the the crow i know we don't ever find out um kind of what hogwarts house she would be but the crow really makes me think and talking about this warrior goddess and all this stuff and how she's independent and you know talks about the land and all that um i feel like she could kind of be in in any house 
in a way. Yeah, I was waiting to see which house you were about to say because I was like, uh, <laughs> you're saying so many different houses here. So. Yeah, but that's the thing. I feel like it's kind of the perfect backstory for somebody who, you know, kind of helps make a school because she's so much of everything. You I know? guess Crow works in terms of if we're so, since she personally associated herself with Ravenclaw. Right. Like, the kind I mean, of yeah, the that's sharp... the the obvious connection, right? I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I like that idea that she has a piece of all four houses within. Yeah, I do too. Her, that yeah, that explains a lot about how she develops Ilvermorny. Mm-hmm. But before she gets to that, um, the the other big thing we get about her childhood is that her parents are killed, and she is kidnapped by uh, her aunt and Michael. You said this earlier, uh, Gormley. Yeah, I believe it's pronounced Gorm Gormley or Gormley. It's it's uh, listeners as far as we know, it's not Gormlaith, if that's how you were reading it. But Gorm Gormlegant has a much lovelier kind of yes. it rolls off the tongue much better. So yes. I believe it's Gormlegant. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound like the name of an estranged sister no. who lives in Hags <laughs> Glen, right? It's much no. more beautiful than that. <laughs> but uh that that actually a strange sister and aunt's kind of kidnapping brings up a lot of really interesting connections. Um, the first one that actually popped in my head, maybe because I went and saw this musical when I was in London, was Matilda. It sounds very, very similar to uh, Miss Honey's story. Um, mm. And spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, which <laughs> how have you not read Matilda? Uh, Miss Honey and Miss Trunchbull. Mm-hmm. I see mm. very, lots of parallels there with a kind of uh, aunt who uh somehow kidnaps their their niece and is um in a lot of ways abusive um Mm -hmm. which also draws some connections to harry then and we've talked about how the dursleys especially at the beginning of the series are seen as kind of these rural doll caricatures kind of very um traditional british children's story antagonists Mm mm-hmm well, and yeah, I I definitely see that in the writing, and in in I couldn't help but because I, I and I think it's worth noting because it, I personally thought it was beautifully done. Um, but if listeners, if you read the if you read the piece without watching the video that Pottermore did, make sure and go back and watch the video um, <laughs> because it gives a pretty great picture of how these characters look. And uh, Gormley is kind of this perfect like she's 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 got her hair pulled back in a tight bun and she's very um i mean for lack of a better word she's very gaunt uh (laughs) so and she's very she's very um kind of like a school marm she's she's kind of she's dressed all in black and very tightly laced but is Um, that video canon i'm just kidding Oh gosh! <laughs> well, the, oh, the, not up with the, that the neat thing about the video is it kind of seems to have based its aesthetic off of the tale of the three brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the characters are all made out of like woodcut carving. Um, so it's it 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 it's and and they used music from the Harry Potter films for the first time on Pottermore. Um, which so felt very odd to me, to be honest. Yeah, they're, it they're felt... bleeding through with a few things. Yeah, I don't so... like it. Make them separate. Keep them yes separate. Uh, it's too late. It's too late for that. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I can definitely see that that roll doll imagery because you know when you when especially when you kind of when it's revealed 
why Gormley did what she did. That's pretty absurdly extreme measures to take to indoctrinate your niece. Yeah, just like, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit there. <laughs> kind of insane. I mean, that's um, the that's the extremism of that line from way back then, right? Like, I mean, that's what I was just gonna say. Doesn't Dumbledore say that the Gaunts are kind of crazy? They squander yeah. all their money and everything. <laughs> Fanatical, Joe calls them. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, we see that in uh, Marvelo. Yeah. Quite, mm-hmm. quite clearly, I think. Well, and as she had explained before, with the Gaunts, uh, <laughs> years of inbreeding didn't do anything to help their mental states. Yeah. So, and it would Exhibit seem that... A. Th- yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what what year is this? This is the... 16- this is the 1600s. 1600s, yeah. right. So, so maybe they weren't... 1603. Right. Maybe they weren't, like, super inbred at this point, which is why she has moments of sanity in between the... <laughs> Not necessarily, <laughs> though, because they've been around... So the, the Malfoys have been around since the medieval ages, right? Since around the 1200s, so... Oh, I suppose that's true. She's, she's, she doesn't have much going for her at this point. I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was, it's, that was a great connection with uh, specifically Matilda. I like that you found a specific role doll that that fits. Cause that's a really, especially that uh, role doll has this tendency to have characters like that, who are kind of the embodiment of pure goodness mm-hmm. and result in many ways is that. And then his evil characters or his bad characters are kind of thoroughly bad. Um, I was thinking, and I saw parallels here, starting here and then further down um, throughout the story. And I couldn't, and it was funny because I saw them more in the adaptation than in the original fairy tale. But I was thinking of Tangled. Not so Uh, much Rapunzel, but specifically Tangled. Huh. Um, I thought that too. Yeah, I saw. I definitely saw that one too. It's almost beat for beat with kind of the idea of her aunt kidnapping her and kind of trying to keep her for herself and and give her this idea that the world is a negative place when it's not. Um, and as we'll see later, even Gorm- Gormley's derma- der- demise is pretty much Mother Gothel's ending in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting connections i mean it i guess the rapunzel story is kind of a framework for a story like matilda or a story like Isolde's, um as far as being sheltered from the world for a lengthy period of time and then discovering that the world is different than the impression you were given or harry's for goodness yeah, sake. yeah harry's does fit yeah. that yeah yeah there are a lot of parallels with harry in this story mm-hmm which is good because I feel like again that helps reinforce you know what we've all talked about how it feels more like what we're used to from Joe, which is good. Definitely. Yeah she she said that in the um she said that in the most recent trailer actually for Fantastic Beasts when she was talking about Newt, but she was also talking about all all of the main characters from Fantastic Beasts and saying that her characters are kind of like these people who are on the fringe of society like Mm. her heroes are are people who are kind of rejected by society or don't fit um with social norms and her goal at those stories is to give them a place right um 
So that, and that's definitely, I think that's what's maybe been missing from a lot of the Pottermore writings. Um, is even the, some of the characters she's introduced through Pottermore don't have that quality like, like Isolt does. Right. So I just happened to, I was curious to know just a little more. I was actually looking more uh, about Isolt's name and kind of the origins of it. And I came across that, um, Isolt, when she, uh, decides to finally escape from Gormley and, um, head over to the Americas on, and she goes on the Mayflower. So she's pretty much like <laughs> the christening group for America. Um, she, uh, takes the name Elias Story. And Elias Story, it was a real individual who was on the Mayflower and uh, apparently did die during the first winter. Or did um, he? Or did he? <laughs> so Rowling wasn't just pulling that one out of thin air. Um, Elias Story, there's not much known about him other than, and so it's kind of a perfect name to use, other than that he, um, there was a certain piece with how he was documented that indicated that he was um he was he wasn't yet of age he wasn't between eight he wasn't around 18 to 21 yet um so he was young and uh again all we know is that he may have died during the first winter i think it's kind of cool too like i don't know much about the meaning of the name elias but i just love that the last name is story like mm, yeah what a perfect mm-hmm. surname for for this I, I mean she must have just seen that on the on the mayflower roster and was like oh my god i have to use this. <laughs> well like, well actually no you know that um her is Is-Alt's name is um what's the word like uh you scramble it so oh yeah that's the word so if you scramble it it's that's how she got I think the hey. wizard maybe she started. I I may I mean I don't know if she started with one and went with the other, but it seems like she probably started with Elias and then changed it to an Irish based name. Oh my god, that's crazy! I just like I'm looking at the names now. I'm like, oh yeah, anagram. Yeah. She did. And the, both she did five. the Tom Riddle thing. She did. She riddled <laughs> it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I did not come up with that, just BT Dubs. That on Twitter pointed that out to MuggleNet. I don't remember who it was. Thank you, because I am definitely terrible at anagrams. Yeah. I have never figured that out. <laughs> awesome. Ever. Yeah, I had no idea. That's very clever. Yeah. I mean, that's our Joe, right? <laughs> Always. So, so a lot of things happen to her, and we'll get to some of the other creatures she meets, because that's a big part of her story. But there's the, there was a question I wanted to ask in, as, in terms of her... Um, her eventual husband, James. Because the interesting thing about James is that he's a muggle through and through. The first time she meets him, he knocks himself out with a pair of (laughs) wands that he shouldn't be using. Um, And I found it fascinating because James is the, I think, first thorough, proper example that we see of a muggle who is extremely heavily involved in the wizarding world. Um... But I just don't understand how that's possible, because as we've seen, wizards or muggles have limitations with what they can see in the wizarding world. And she says that by the end, he's become a headmaster 
of Ilvermorny, and to me, as lovely as a sentiment as that is, what can he do as the headmaster? <laughs> I, I mean, like, pro- how can he even see the castle? Well, I wonder. I yes. wonder how much <laughs> since he was so influential in founding it, and I wonder if over they just did a work. Yeah, or like if in all of his years of being with his old and uh, their adoptive sons and their kids and all these magical people that he's almost come up with like coping mechanisms to be able to figure out, okay, like there's a shimmer off in the distance. It must be this, you know, I feel like that's something he could probably (laughs) figure out after being so long immersed in this world. I, the thing that confuses me even further with James is that as we later see, he and and Zolt have two daughters, and one of them, Martha, turns out to be a squib. Mm-hmm. And as the story says, she kind of ends up being a little... She's, she doesn't go full-on Aunt Petunia on them, but she disconnects from them because she doesn't really have anything to contribute. Um, and she can't really be a part of that world and you would think with james being there that at least she would kind of have him to relate to but she it doesn't seem to be that way because james stays with ilvermorny until he dies but martha kind of goes off and marries a muggle and has a normal life which suggests that there was there were elements about ilvermorny that she couldn't experience or see or didn't mean anything to her uh, despite that she grew up there yeah, I mean, so, for me, it was that um, that James was holding on, was there because of Isolde, that, you know, they were obviously in love, and so he wasn't going to, like, leave her. But um, for the daughter who's um, a squib, it's kind of a different thing. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, it's similar because it's her parents, but um, she has the ability still to go out and find, like, her life, whereas James has found his life with the Sultan Ilvermorny. Yeah, it's a different kind of love. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah what, what you're saying, yeah. I'm not it's just like a kid. it very well, but... No, no, I know what you mean. It's it's just like, a, a ch- you know, a child growing up and going off to college and just never coming home. It's that same type of disconnect in a way. You know, finding your own life. I guess it just it, it it still just raises a lot of questions for me about how James f- functions in this world because like w- we we had had a lot of questions I remember when the writing came out about ghosts and poltergeists and kind of who can see them and who can't and we raised the question of whether Filch can see Peeves because um in book 5 Mrs. Fig can't see dementors and so what it just again that just raises the question for me of what can james see and not see like he sees the puck he sees william but like it, they're just that seems to just be so extreme i i get that he can be involved legally because there wasn't a um magical congress yet so right. there's no laws preventing him from being involved with wizards but at the same time it just blows my mind that he can be as involved as he was now remind me does he does he have a wand no 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 okay okay i didn't think so but he helps make the wand yeah with his with his woodworking skill right 
Doesn't he also help build the actual Ilvermorny building? He designs it. I think it said uh, he designs it, and then Isolt builds it with her wand. So he's like the architect. Yeah. um, I'm going to pretend that he walks around with some sort of, like, variation of a disillusionment charm or, like, the bubblehead charm, something like (laughs) rose-colored glasses that allows him to, like, see... Everything, some sort of enchantment. Oh, that's I like the glasses. I, I feel like has has had to be put on him because, I mean, unless unless muggles can see everything, unless it's taken away from them. Yeah, which is maybe, I guess a whole other track. Maybe there is an element of when they've been broken into it, like he was. Then, because I remember the 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 big explanation in that kind of started this discussion it was around prisoner when harry asks um stan and Ern about why people can't why muggles can't see the night bus because it should be hard to miss Mm. and stan just says well muggles don't see nothing do they and it's kind of and and that keeps kind of going with the tradition of grimald place and the leaky cauldron and the idea that it's there, and there is a charm on it, but overall, there's a, a piece of wizards that where they're counting on muggles to just reason away weird things that they see. Yeah. Mm. But I guess if they have seen it, something about it, about that enchantment or that natural ability to ignore it breaks, and maybe that allows them to see more. Because this is all, I suppose, part of this is meant to lead up to Fantastic Beasts because Jacob is a nomadge and he's going to be heavily involved with the plot. So, in fact, the whole thing is kind of hinged on him opening up Newt's case, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. That yeah, that that so makes me the, think That makes me that. think then and also I'm thinking about things um for example that are in fa- in the Fantastic Beasts book. That makes me think that muggles can see everything and that wizards are trying to hide things specifically. So James mm-hmm. must have been discounted from that. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe there are charms that can allow him to see things like you were saying, Kat, with the glasses. Or, But if there is some kind of charm that actually takes that off for him specifically. Well, if there's um, a charm that allows Dumbledore to apparate in and out of Hogwarts, then there's got to be... Um... You know, magical exception charm or something. We also kind of get a little bit of a backstory on some adoptive sons with a familiar last name. Um, Chadwick and Webster Boot. Those are fun names. I like those names. <laughs> They're very wizarding world. Um, which it seems that later we learn that Webster goes back to England and marries a Scottish witch. And that their children are educated at Hogwarts, or their descendants are educated at Hogwarts, which makes me think, Terry Boot, a random character, yeah. has to be, has mm-hmm. to be a descendant. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, definitely. And he's in, and he's in Ravenclaw. <laughs> I wonder okay. then, I mean, we don't get much about Terry Boot, but I wonder if that's like a, a family thing, if that started getting passed down from Webster, and it's almost like a Weasley line of Gryffindor, but the boots are all in Ravenclaw. <laughs> Ravenclaw. <laughs> that's fun. I like that. We can pretend that's true. 
Yeah, pe- people were pretty quick to embrace this as like, it's Terry Boot, and Rowling hasn't confirmed it, but I would I think it's have there. to say it's pretty likely that he's a descendant. So Because he's mentioned more than once, so it's not as if she just picked a random name and, right? I mean, he has mentioned multiple times throughout the series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay. Yes, hopefully this isn't a Oh gosh. <laughs> That's what I was Whoopsies. just thinking. Yes. yes. Mark Evans situation. Right. Exactly. Poor Mark Evans. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not. I thought that was fun though. It definitely um really brought us kind of back into Harry's story and all the parallels that, you know, kind of connect this story to Harry's story, which yeah. I thought was There's fun. a lot of those actually. Um breaking down all the parallels to Harry's story. I think we're going to get to some of them later, but I mean, I started making a a list. (laughs) Um, There's an attack and a parent's protection. Um, We've got a a pure blood loving enemy versus a muggle slash nomad accepting hero. Uh, Love magic, which I think you wanted to talk about, Caleb. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about blood magic. I was, I, it wasn't until you had just brought, um, I can't remember who just brought it back up that, um, James almost pulled a, another James, or I guess more a Lily, um, from Harry's mm-hmm. story. I was actually thinking about the other part of the blood, the power of magic. Um, actually I'm just, but, so then I remember that there's like two aspects of this. So I'm going to read these two paragraphs just to like frame us. So this is when, um, Gormley is attacking, um, is old and James and um, their adoptive sons are there and their two daughters um, are there as well. So this is just two paragraphs of it. It was this that pierced the enchantment lying over is old and James rage and magic could not wake them. And sidebar, this is after um, Gormley has put them under an enchanted sleep, but the terrified screams of their daughters broke the curse Gormley had laid upon them, which like Gormley herself took no account of the power of love. Zolt screamed at James to go to the girls. She ran to assist her adoptive sons, Slytherin's wand in her hand. So that's part one of the love magic happening. It's what woke them up. And then, only when she raised it to attack her Hayden aunt did she realize that for all the good it would do her, the sleeping wand might as well have been a stick she had found on the ground. Gloating, Gormley drove his old Chadwick and Webster backwards up the stairs toward the place where she could hear her great nieces crying. Finally, she managed to blast open the doors to their bedroom, where James stood ready to die in front of the cribs of his daughters. Sure that all was lost, Azolts cried out, hardly knowing what she said for her murdered father. Um, and then William shows up to save the day. But the, the so I actually kind of wasn't sure how to... I had to stop and think about this for a second. The first part, that the girl screaming is what woke them up from this enchanted sleep. And I almost thought, man, that just sounds too easy. Well, I disagree. I think that's such a parent thing. I mean, I feel like I was actually just babysitting my one-year-old niece today, and you can... I can tell, like, when something's wrong with her if I'm across the house. <laughs> and, I mean, I so I can only imagine what, like, my sister, her mom, actually is like. And I just feel like that's kind of a, a very parental intuition that you can tell when your kids are in trouble. And I think that's speaking to that. 
Yeah, no, I get I get the parental intuition. I, I think that's, you know, what she's playing on to, like, say this power of love, she being Joe, saying this power of love works, that when the girls scream, that's enough to break this very deep magic. But I just thought almost that Joe was trying too hard to make that similar power of love magic be an important thing that saves the day in this story, just like it was for Harry. Well, yeah, this opens up just a lot of a lot more questions rather than helps us answer the questions we raised during the reread about kind of love magic. Right. Because this is the only, sorry to interrupt, Michael, but I just wanted to throw this in there that Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is the only other substantial time we see love magic happening other than what, you know, we spent, like you said, so many hours talking about multiple times over the series what happened with Harry. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's just the the thing I was thinking of, and I realized that that doesn't fit because uh, if you've listeners, if you've if you've examined all of the wizard cards that came out with the video games, which are canon, um, there there in in the Prisoner of Azkaban video game, Rowling began incorporating a few fairy tales into Harry Potter canon with the wizard cards. So Snow White and um, Sleeping Beauty are wizard canon and sleeping beauties uh, the, the card that relates to her is actually in the hag section because um the witch who uh, her her name is something else it's not maleficent um because that's disney's name for her but the witch um she has a card and the card explains that when um when uh, sleeping beauty went to sleep she went to sleep under the she was on un- she was under the influence of the draft of living death which kind of seems to be what gormley used on mm-hmm. isolt and james mm-hmm. um but then the the wizard who woke her up i thought uh, like i was thinking oh well he kissed her and that was in another example of love breaking a spell but in her canon that's not what happened he smeared his lips with wiganweld potion oh, and that gosh. woke her up when he kissed her <laughs> so <laughs> not quite as romantic um and doesn't work with the love piece so we don't have a canon example of love breaking through the draft of living death Although, however, I mean, why rub it on his lips and kiss her? Why not just rub it on his lips? I feel like the kiss is an an important part of it. Yes. Combined with love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There we go. That's a good way to put it. I don't know. I like it because it ties into... because Because there are so many parallels, I like that it works. I do think, though, that it does... If we examine it from the structure of the harry potter world it does raise a lot of questions (laughs) right because the whole thing with harry was it was the sacrifice that Uh um that was like birthed out of love that saved him and then protected him at the end um, of the series and this is just and i don't want to downplay like what love like familial love is but this is here it doesn't take any like extra act you know it's like the mother and father's love is enough, which isn't to say, you know, that's not a lot, but it was a great act in Harry Potter. Um, in this, in his story, that sacrifice that gave him the protection was here. I don't know. It, 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 I don't want to say it like it makes the seem like the power of love lose its unique value, but it almost waters it down a little bit for me. 
Yeah, it's interesting because it's just a different, we've got a different setup. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like, there's also levels into what happens. Like with Harry, it's the killing curse. Here, it's obviously something not as quite as powerful. And I wonder yeah, and if I, that's the major difference, the intent behind yeah. what is being done to them, if that Maybe. makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think somehow love, like the power of the love makes like regular magic, quote unquote, um, more powerful? Like, I don't know exactly Always. what I'm trying to... Yes, yes. You know no. what I mean? Uh, yes, because Joe has said n- numerous times that the emotion yeah. and the feeling you have behind your magic... Um, fuels the fire so to say so yes most definitely i think that the kind of love and also the power and the deepness of that love makes a big difference personally well and i guess too where what's interesting with this aspect of this setup is that we're going again from the idea that Isolt and james are uh broken out of the charm by something that is completely pure mm um you know child babies children are considered kind of as a story device to be an example of pure goodness and i think that's uh, that's an element of this love too that it comes from a com- it, it it comes from something pure which which relates back to um and that gets muddy too of course with what rolling revealed with umbridge but that kind of goes back into some stuff with like the patronus charm and what you guys are speaking to of how pureness can fuel magic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, pure intent. Um, something so raw as that, I guess. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that was the thing that stuck out with me the most as far as the similarity. And then, of course, we have the next paragraph, the last one that I read, where we have another parent, na- father named James, who... Um, stood ready to die as the text says which is an obvious comparison i'm kind of surprised joe named him james yeah Um, (laughs) yeah it's almost like with the um the uh what's the book called why can't i think of it um her first book after harry potter casual vacancy Barry. Barry yeah. Fairbrother, as we would for yeah. Barry to Barry. Um, <laughs> you have to think, though, James was a pretty popular yeah, name that's back very in true. that yeah. time, though. That's true. There weren't, yeah, that was, like, one of the... And I, I kind of so. like that she's kind of switched the roles, where it's the James who is in this one, who's kind of staying behind with uh, trying to protect the kids in the crib, and then kind of there's that flip-flop of Lily and James, and then James and his old, what they're doing in this uh, situation with is all running kind of out into the fight with no real weapon, whereas this James is staying behind, and then we had James running at Voldemort while Lily stayed behind. Another. Yeah, I mean, I think the major, I mean, the only major issue, and it isn't even really a major issue, is that it will be really hard for Potter fans to ever separate the yeah. two because of that direct parallel. Yeah. yeah. So, not that we want to, but, you know, should we ever decide to, it will be really difficult. So. That and that for me that raises another question surrounding James and this is a coulda woulda shoulda. If he died, mm-hmm. would that have enacted the same kind of magic? Mm. I said no. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Would he have made a protection spell over the rest of the family? Because does died? it have to be the parent who's magical, or does it have to be the child who's magical? 
That's what I was wondering. The... Because James is like this weird special muggle, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's special, but he's yeah. just a muggle. Because the girls, so... the daughters have his like blood slash DNA and they're magic. Or one of them is magical. Um... Hmm. Ooh, what would that... But that's that's another question. Question I don't... too. Would it, would it, <laughs> if it's the child who has to be magical, would it have only protected the one and not the other one? Oh, I'm certainly convinced that would. I'm convinced it would have protected both of them had he been able to give it to them. Like even though right, one cause... is a squib, um, because like I think that 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 like element of enough of the magical element, whatever is there. Um, it's I the certainly... blood, right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. 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 So I don't, but I don't think he can give them the protection because he doesn't have the blood, magic, whatever. Right, the we, magic there, isn't in his blood. Yes. Right. No, because there's right. there are other instances too where we have kind of gotten clarification, such as uh, muggles cannot become ghosts; only wizards can mm-hmm. become ghosts. Muggles cannot turn into werewolves if they are attacked by a werewolf; they will die. <laughs> Um, but wizards can p- potentially withstand a werewolf attack. Although now um, I'm going to like rebut myself because then how else could it have worked for Harry to get the protection at the Dursley's house? If, cause he gets it because of Petunia yeah. whose blood is not magical. Uh-huh. I guess it's a little bit different though, because he gets the mat, the protection from Lily who's has like shares like blood with Petunia. Yeah. It's like know, reinforced a- by Petunia. Yeah. yeah, I still think this is different. I'm still going to say that he can't get the <laughs> Somebody, you know what we need? We need a side by side comparison chart because I feel like if we yeah. can make par- like direct parallels between the two stories, it will help us figure out yeah. how that blood protection relates yeah. to everybody yeah. better. Somebody draw that up. <laughs> I don't think there's yeah, I don't think there's a definite answer, but there's definitely some clear comparisons you can make. She made I mean, a complex my... web on both sides. In my yeah. head, I'd love to fancifully think that he would have if he had di- if he had died, just because I feel like if he didn't, that would be counterintuitive to yeah. Rowling's lessons <laughs> in Harry Potter. But I, and of course, you know, I guess we won't ever really know because you know James didn't die, which is wonderful. I was actually, I I have to say too, I I was really. On, when I read the story the first time, I was on the edge of my seat because I was like, oh, they can't all make it out of this. This is a Harry Potter story. Nobody's, <laughs> the whole family can't survive. And then, and it, it happened again when I read it out loud to, to Leandra because she actually was, she was the whole time once, once the, we got to the portion of the story where Gormley showed up in America, she, she just started going, oh no, oh, Michael, you have to tell me, is one of them going to die? And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. She was like, oh God. And like every time a new piece happened where like one of them woke up or one of them went to battle her, she was just like freaking out because she was like, no, I love them all. They can't die. And then they didn't. And she was like, wow, none of them died. This is new. I did not expect this. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> so yay, James didn't die. Yay. Can we get back Hedwig now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I do I do think that is a nice little I like I, I like like you guys said the flip flop, but I also think in a way for me that kind of goes back to the question we had raised in the in the reread of you know, why didn't James's sacrifice enact anything? Like why did he just die and that was it? 
And we came up with theories about why. But I kind of like that, you know, we had another moment of a of a James who was doing something so noble and brave in that way for his family. I thought that was kind of a nice just wait cuz I think the fandom tends to kind of shove James's sacrifice aside in favor of Lily's. Um yeah. so it's it's kind of nice to have that reminder that no, it was kind of an even footing yeah. thing. Speaking of a uh, sacrifices and that parallels i also found it really interesting that the villain is destroyed because they've kind of used dark magic unnaturally to preserve themselves which i mean she kind of just like threw that into the end with gormley that that's one of the reasons why she's destroyed is because the william the pugwudgie's arrow like interacts with that and like makes her explode yeah I want to see that yeah. happen. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Rowling enjoyed the uh, the deaths in the Harry Potter movies yeah. a lot more than the fans did. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> she wrote it into one of her stories because I was like, "Oh, Bellatrix, Quirrell, Voldemort—this is how they died in the movie." So that was that was interesting that she just kind of threw that in, like, "Oh, Gormleith was Gormley was maybe playing with yeah. his kind of stuff." Like, no mention of that until the very end. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then, and, but, and, and too, though, she, she didn't flat out say Horcruxes and kind of implied that Gormley was playing with other yeah, ways of Yeah, I didn't mortality. get it was Horcruxes. Oh, I definitely think it's other things. Yeah, not Horcruxes. Right. Yeah. Because then she wouldn't so have maybe died. this goes into the book, maybe this goes into the books that are passed down to the dark wizards and witches as, like, failed attempts, so they have to keep mm. trying new things until they finally get to a Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because, of course, we know there are things like the Philosopher's Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. Right, so which would are... have been around several hundred years already. Yeah. At that Unicorn point. blood. It was something that rare when people try to duplicate the effect. The results aren't always going to be too solid. Right. Yeah, and we can and we seem to like be asked to assume that Nicholas Flamel's method was not did not utilize dark magic. Right. So if right. we're looking at a dark wizard trying to replicate it, definitely something could go wrong with that. At least in, in Rowling's world, using dark magic tends to make pretty much everything go wrong so yeah yeah that yeah that was an interesting demise i would have it's interesting to to know that the there's like a history within the gaunt and slytherin family of playing yeah. with immortality like it wasn't just voldemort and it, i guess maybe that's some more like that speaks to kind of a a, a bit of a irony is they 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 owned for all those years they owned a a, a hallow like they had a, a, a right a, a, one of the items yeah. of immortality and they didn't even know that they had it um so, but i guess that even that even makes the, even more sense to have uh them be the descendants of the second peveril brother who was trying to mm-hmm. call someone back from death that they're trying to avoid it and delay it all throughout mm-hmm. that line. Yeah. So I'm sure there's more that we didn't even pull out. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Listeners, if you if you have caught any more parallels between 
the story and Harry's story, make sure and note them in the comments for this week because we would like to see what you saw um, that ties back. Uh, actually, speaking of some thing, the, the, here's some things that didn't really tie back because they were brand new. Some we're so used to seeing magical creatures, but we got a whole new set of them here. Nothing that we've <laughs> seen before, which um, is great. I, I like that. I yeah, like when things are different and new. Yeah, yeah, it's fun too because we're on a different continent anyway. So right. let's play with some new animals. Uh, this time we got uh, the uh, a new terrifying creation mm. called Hide Behinds. Uh, he's this one. The name I'm not so sure of. It's kind of as straightforward as that. Whatever that swooping <laughs> evil is. The worst name yeah. ever. <laughs> but the uh, the hide behind does exactly what it sounds like. It hides behind things very very well. It can hide behind anything. Um, and uh, then when it decides to not hide behind something, it's disemboweling <laughs> you. So I she's just uh, she's just determined to come up with as many things as possible to make me like not want to be anywhere dark ever. Like I, by yeah. myself because there's too many corners. And things hide in them. <laughs> this is like the fourth thing yeah. well, <laughs> that she's created. And I couldn't, I I per didn't find anything in particular uh, about kind of uh, the legends of anything that might have inspired the hide behind. Listeners, if you want more on that, I'm sure you can check out Speak Beastie, our, our, one of our fellow podcasts on MuggleNet.com, because Aaron, one of the hosts, is always looking for the yeah. most horrifying beasts to discuss on the show and i'm sure he just delighted in the hide behind i'm pretty um, sure that he has basically predicted these three oh, animals he I definitely think they've has. talked about these beasts or something very very similar to it um yeah they're kind yeah. of the experts on uh fantastic beasts and joe so listens definitely check it out if you haven't listened. joe listens to yeah. MuggleNet podcast it's fine she's just it is very obvious at this point that she listens to podcasts. Let's be real. The You're not fooling anybody, I... Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could find that kind of tied into hide behinds in the in the Potter canon was it made me think of the Lethafold. Also um, a terrifying which thing. Listen... Yes, probably. You know, the funny thing is Dementors are horrible, but if you haven't read about Lethafolds, they've got something that can give them a run for their money. Because um, lethafolds essentially do the same thing. They don't. They don't hide in the same way where they can hide behind anything. They just got. They're, they're. They basically kind of look like a translucent sheet. So they disguise themselves as like blankets and curtains, and then they like pounce upon you and digest you. Which um, is always a pleasant thing to endure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's slow, prolonged, horrible digestion or disembowelment. Take your pick. Um, and uh, the. The the kind of same thing happens where it's there. They need pretty strong magic to be defeated. Hide behinds, as we see, it takes two um, magical people at, at least to defeat one fully, and uh, we don't know how. The story doesn't specify how Isolt and William take uh, take the take the hide behind down. But Lethafolds require a Patronus charm, and that is the only known way to get rid of them. Um, but speaking of William, not William Isolt's father, but actually William the Puckwudgie. Um, 
Pukwudgies in Rowling's canon are distant relatives of the goblin, and that's certainly seen in their <laughs> attitude. I love it. They're so funny. <laughs> He's... You you, th- you thought Harry was sassy. <laughs> you haven't met William. Um, that's kind of his thing. Uh, he's kind of the curmudgeon, the old curmudgeonly type. Um, the interesting thing about William, and I I kind of looked to see if there was any hubbub about this, and there was not. But Pequodgies are traditional Native American creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not something that Rowling made up. And it's interesting because Rowling was so heavily accused for her appropriation in the North American magic stories, mm-hmm. but nobody really said anything about the Pukwudgie stuff. That's because it's the name of one of the houses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does end up kind of playing a big part in Ilvermorny later on, which I thought was funny too, because of course we do get that little bit at the end where... Kind of William's heart is softened by James's kind of naivete. Mm. It's and so that's sweet. what makes <laughs> It's very sweet. But at the same time, I just wonder, you know, the Pukwudgies as a whole seem like a very obstinate, disagreeable bunch and to to have an to have their to, the way that they were included in Ilvermorny kind of strikes me as like stirring up the kind of controversy like the the goblins would do or even the centaurs would kind mm-hmm. of make a hubbub I don't about. see them as like inside being necessarily malicious or anything in fact I every time I read something about Pukwudgies the first thing that popped into my mind was April from Parks and Rec because like that's just that's the kind of character I was seeing in this Pukwudgie was the <laughs> on the outside they they hate everyone but on the inside they're just a complete softy and they just love the people they love and they're good with it you know they're just gonna put up the front but you know well and the interesting thing about the native american tradition of the pukwudgie and it does vary depending on which native american tribe you're asking but the general uh story and they do there are only certain native american tribes that even have the pukwudgie in their in their storytelling but um or I should say tradition, rather. But the the Pukwudgie in general is actually said to have been a creature that wanted to help humans and assist humans, but humans kind of considered them a nuisance, so then they turned against humanity, and now they kind of screw with us. <laughs> um, oh, when I first read about the Pukwudgie meeting and meeting William, I immediately thought of house elves and I thought of creature. Yeah. yeah. Well, Especially yeah, because, because it says it says that the number of puckwudgies that continue to work at the school, um, they all grumble. They do get paid though, know, so there's a lot of them. So they're a little they bit better than house elves. And we had supposed when we were discussing house elves and goblins that those two races might actually be distant relatives, yeah, because of their separate brands of magic, and that maybe somehow house elves were a branch off of goblins that ended up in servitude. Um. So that would kind of fit well with how the Pukwudgies get developed here. Um, but yeah, they're, they're they're definitely an interesting creature, and it's kind of fun that they got developed as well as they did in this story. Um, probably the only other major creature that pops up 
and this this will uh, lead really well, Kat, into your discussion. So maybe we'll go into this next. But uh, the horned serpent shows mm. up. We never we've never seen one of these before. Um, it's a giant snake that lives in a pool, and it has a jewel in its head. What a peculiar um, creature! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's so interesting because this is one of the first times i guess where and so we've had okay this is kind of hard to explain because we've had so many pieces of this in potter but we've had dreams in harry potter in hair through harry that were dreams that are very interpretive and just very much like dreams and then we've had dreams that are actually <laughs> visions muddled with harry's dreams and then we've had just flat out visions mm-hmm. and here the horned serpent does seem to be giving is old of vision of some sort and has this very deep connection with her. Um, there's a lot of complicated stuff going on here with the horned serpent and it's not explained. Um, it's just kind of like, it is what it is. She has this connection with the horned serpent. He gives her a little hint and then he is very friendly with her and gives her stuff. And that's well- that. That's kind of par for the course with the uh, Ilvermorny with the houses, because I feel like, and I know that we'll get there, and it's a discussion for another time for the most part, but um, we got so little information on them, so I feel like there might be more to that story coming later, maybe from Joe, is kind of what I'm thinking, especially, which is why that might be very vague. Especially because uh, the president of the Makusa is, was in Horned Serpent. And I feel like that's mm, very right. telling of something to come in Fantastic Beasts. Right. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, so. we maybe maybe we'll even encounter a horned serpent at oh, some I hope point. So. Which, how are those so. different from cool. basilisks, though? They sound so similar to me. The jewel. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know. And doesn't, you know, <laughs> petrify so kill you. Right. I wonder if the jewel is kind of what houses its kind of clairvoyant aspect maybe like, oh, like a little like the trolls yeah yeah well kind of like it's almost kind of like a third eye kind of a thing mm. like it holds some additional power of some sort yeah um yeah it's i don't really know like and i just it's interesting too because the horned serpent isn't it is mostly portrayed in a positive light but it does kind of have this kind of mystique about it that makes it kind of ambiguous for a little while Um, kind of like the slytherin house (laughs) yeah and how people feel about it right yeah no it 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 really does lead into that discussion perfectly because it it just has so many it, it 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 is kind of the jumping off point for how Rowling treats slytherin in this story Right, which which is funny too, since so we've we've touched on this um kind of throughout our whole conversation here. Um but just to reiterate, Gormley Gaunt, who was um Isolt's mother's estranged sister, so her estranged aunt, um actually was the one who you know, she kidnapped um Isolt and was the murderer of her parents, which that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her name, her the meaning is illustrious and splendid. Or um, queen and princess, which I thought was kind of the exact opposite of what you think of when you think of a gaunt. 
Especially the Gaunts that we know from Harry Potter. Well, I think it speaks to their background, you know, like their their background of this like regal, very important wizarding family. And then we see how far they've fallen by the end. Or is it self-importance? Well, there's that too, but. There's a lot of that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. (laughs) And it's funny for, for all of the, you know, talk we get about, you know, the Gaunts and how well they're connected. There's not a whole lot of new information that we get about that house, really. Well, yeah, because Gormley is kind of like, she's she's kind of on, on the fringe of the Gaunt family. Right. Because like as is mentioned, of course, you know, Isolt and, and William think that with her end comes the end of the Gaunt family line. Um, Whoops. Nope. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, that was an oopsies. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to kind of ponder how, like how that came to be that she kind of drifted so far off from the rest of the gods. Yeah, because there's yeah we don't get a whole lot of yeah I wish we had a little bit more information about how she ended up where she ended up. Um, yeah, Gormley, you know. Because really, it just says that she was, um, you know, a fanatical pureblood who believed that her sister's helpfulness to her muggle neighbors was setting Isolt, their daughter, upon a dangerous path to intermarriage with a non-magical man, which is exactly <laughs> happened. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> so, I mean, it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies again, which is also something else we see a lot in uh, Harry Potter novels, so... I do think it's interesting. There, she has a whole section about how Slytherin's wand that had been passed down, Isolt, uh, after it stopped working, Isolt planted it, and it sprouted this mm. snakewood tree um, that kind of resists anyone hurting it in any way, but the leaves contain medicinal properties. And then it says, The tree seemed testament to the fact that Slytherin's wand... Like his scattered descendants, encompassed both noble and ignoble. The very best of him seemed to have migrated to America. Which is just, I don't know why I'm just latching onto that line. It's so, what is it saying? There's so many different ways that this could apply to things. This is saying that Slytherin House doesn't totally suck. (laughs) Joe is finally throwing them a bone, I think is what this is. Well, I kind of thought that, um, well, I don't, do we know about what year Ilvermorny was founded exactly? Ilvermorny was probably founded in the, like, 1630s No. Yeah, late 20s, 30s. Well, yeah, because she was born in 1603. And she came to the U.S. in 1620. she got to America in 1620. Yeah. Right, so late 20s, 30s. Yeah, 20s to 30s. Because I was thinking around this time is when all of these people were starting to, you know, persecute the muggles and, you know, starting to hate on them. And that maybe Salazar Slytherin was just um, saying, hey, we don't want any more persecution, so let's hate on the muggles, kind of. Um, But I did look it up, and the Salem Witch Trials... Um, here in America did not take place until 1692 to 1693, um, which is a little bit later than when this is happening. But um, the Mayflower was, you know, a lot of the Puritans 
um, were a lot of the founding members of America. So, and they were all very religious and very anti, uh, anti-magic, witchcraft. Yeah, witchcraft, that's the word I was looking for. So. Yeah, I think, and it, that's mentioned here in the story that, uh, that's why Zolt chooses not to stay with them after she, after they dock, because she realizes she won't have any friends amongst them. Um, so that, so it kind of saying that by seeing, by Salazar in his time seeing this persecution and this kind of prejudice coming from the Muggle. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's just kind of trying to save the wizards from the persecution, basically. Hmm. That's a really interesting way to look at it, that maybe he's trying to just, in his own warped way, protect the wizarding world, I guess. What I kept waiting for in this moment, in this little bit, um, the paragraph that Allison was talking about, that's Slytherin's legacy, um, when you're reading the whole history of Ilvermorny, was I really expected um, a throw to Voldemort in here. Like, I, they were talking about planting the tree, and I was like, oh, is it going to be a yew tree or something? <laughs> and I felt like there weren't, with the exception of that... Um, the line you mentioned, Michael, where they talk about how they thought that was the end of the gaunt line. There yeah. isn't really anything else that ties any of this to Voldemort or any of that. But I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, me too. Yeah, if, if she brought too much of that into it, it would just feel... Well, forced. I feel like that's what that last line is kind of hinting at, is that, okay, so we saw the worst of Slytherin's line in Voldemort, and now here we're seeing the best of Slytherin's line in Right. Uh, Isolt and her family. What what percent Slytherin is she? Like, how much Salazar does she have in her? Oh. I know we just posted a family tree on MuggleNet. I haven't examined it closely yet. So is she, like, 25%? Like... Yeah, I don't... How pure blood is she? I guess Well, Isolt is completely pure blood. It says that she comes from two pure blood yeah. lines. And one of them is the Slytherin line, and wizards. one of them is the, the, um, oh my gosh, I literally just talked about this, like, not that long, Morgan line, Morgan. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. okay. so, her mother comes from the Slytherin line, and her father comes from the Morgan line. Yeah, and I, I really like that I mean, it's. It, I hope it's a. I hope it's an aspect of, especially because the the conversation about the the Ilvermorny houses has kind of dominated the discussion about this story mm -hmm. in the recent week. But I hope that's something that's not really you know that's not lost in this discussion of this story is that it really is that line that you said, Allison, that Slytherin, Slytherin's best kind of moved over to America and that it's not just embodied in the tree it's embodied in Isolt and her be in her actions in the new world I think it's kind of fitting too symbolically that the new world is a fresh start yeah. that's a very like American um, dream kind of idea yeah it and and a kind of that goes into the kind of symbology of a rebirth um that maybe there was a a chance for uh, redemption for Slytherin and that Slytherin isn't perhaps as one-sided as 
we get the impression of from the Potter books. Which... Yeah, why aren't more Slytherins out here screaming about this? I feel like it, <laughs> like you said, Michael, it's been such a, it's been, everything has been so house and sorting focused that mm-hmm. this has kind of been pushed to the background. And Slytherins, you need to rise up, be proud of this. I think it's great that a Slytherin descendant is one of the founders of Ilvermorny. I, I think it, it speaks to the idea of you don't have to go with like, if like your family has bad ideas or whatever you know you don't have to be exactly like that you can make your own way and your own decisions you can be the percy of your family (laughs) (laughs) you can make the choice to go a different way yeah yeah exactly i would put slytherins above percy whoa except maybe at the very end (laughs) and there's a new topic for another episode i don't know that's pretty that's a pretty constant caleb topic that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i i really like that idea that we, you know, she's she, Rowling's done some damage control for pretty much every house other than Gryffindor ever since the books ended. Yeah, they don't so, need any help. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, so it's it's kind of nice that she gives that to Slytherin because she's. I think over the last few years she's really been boosting Hufflepuff as you should. Um, sure. Sorry. <laughs> yes. No. I. I have no. Obviously, I have no problem with that. Um. But yeah. No. It, it was. It's nice to see yeah. Slytherin kind of get this this poetic ending and that i just love that the tree that sprouts from it this is is a has medicinal properties that it's a healing tree Um, the last the last act of slytherin's wand was to provide healing properties um i think that was the other cool thing that i just have to point out too about slytherin in and in relation to the horned serpent that i thought this was cool that if you have like a core of a snake in your wand, you can use parcel tongue to shut the yeah. wand off. Like mm-hmm. s- snake wands have security measures. <laughs> like that's that's super cool. I wonder I mean, if that I wanna know if that works with other wands somehow. I don't know. If you have I feel like, like that's a- I feel like that's a very Slytherin thing. It makes it reminds me of the Chamber of Secrets yeah. and like the whole like extra security level yeah you know? i don't know yeah it's weird it's, well, it's very cool. cool though i agree it, and it's got that extra added component where with it it shuts off his ults like it shuts off his ults one but it could it can potentially shut off uh, like it, it can also activate other ones that like because with the with the horned serpent it doesn't shut it off that that the horned serpent one actually sends off an audible warning um that that there's a that there's an imminent attack and that's what wakes up um Chadwick and and Webster. So Yeah, wands act so differently in America. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And so there's yet be. another topic for another few <laughs> <laughs> Well yeah, no we we've got a lot we've got I think we've got some good material with that because she has revealed the wand makers of the of mm-hmm. America. Yep. And I'm getting the sense that once we get to Fantastic Beasts, there's going to be some uh, non-traditional wands revealed in that yep. movie. But I, uh, I, I guess since we're kind of at this point, we should um, talk a little bit about Ilvermorny and its houses, I guess, right? And then... Uh, yeah, and its, and its structure. And actually, speaking as we were of wands... That's perfect because Ilvermorny has had until 
um, I believe the 1960s, a very interesting policy, which was that you came to Ilvermorny and you selected your wand after you selected your house. Um, yeah. You don't go shopping for your wand. Ostensibly, uh, James and Isolt made all the wands that students get to select from. I mean, maybe in later years, I don't know, maybe they were sourcing those wands from other I wand I think makers. so. That would make sense because it, it says that then they also, they had to leave them there over the summer, which would suck. Yeah. And then you got <laughs> to take it when you turned 17. But still, that would suck. <laughs> you know who would really hate that? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that, yeah, that was the policy that was in place until 65. Is that because right. of Rapp- Rappaport's law? Um, mm. Yeah. Well, it, you know, though, at the same time when I read that, I was like, "Good on you, Ilvermorny. You figured it out quicker <laughs> than Hogwarts did." Like, <laughs> to to me, like, because Hogwarts sends all the students home saying, "Don't do magic while you're at home, or you'll be in trouble." But they send them home with their wands anyway, so. I mean, in a way, it seems pretty logical to not send them home with their wands if they're not supposed to use them anyway. Um, but yeah, that was a neat little kind of difference between the two. Uh, another fun um, thing. Now, the the thing that is interesting about Ilvermorny in terms of its structure is that it's basically like the... It is truly the American version yep. of Hogwarts. <laughs> which, um, which although makes sense because... Isolde grew up hearing about Hogwarts and how it was structured and how it worked and everything about it. So, makes sense. Makes sense, yeah, to have that connection, but it also has its, like, you know, its uniqueness to yeah. it that I really appreciated still. I do too. Agreed. I love the robes. I kind of want... I love the, the reasoning no for the robe colors. It's my favorite. <laughs> I, yeah, yes, I like that there was thought put into that. I'm not sure about the color combo itself, but I like the thought that it was, like, there was a purpose behind it. It's the the robes are um, uh, they are blue for for um, Isolt for her uh, lifelong wish to be in Ravenclaw House had she attended Hogwarts, and mixed with cranberry because that was James's favorite I flavor love it. of pie. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it's really cute. I think I think that's uh, lovely in terms of just kind of it, it's that wonderful sentimental humor that rolling is really good yeah. at mm-hmm. like it's funny but it's also very sweet because james james's contributions to the school are kind of lovably mundane like they just come from the most commonplace things or basically the first thing that pops into his head it also um it reminds me of thanksgiving because you always have cranberry sauce at thanksgiving and they were like kind of oh, like the pilgrims yeah. of the that's wizarding awesome. world so that's awesome. thing, isn't it? yeah <laughs> that's exactly what i, I thought love it. <laughs> i thought too this was a good time to have a brief chat about the gordian knot ah, which, yeah. um, i looked mm-hmm. up and i thought was really interesting because it's something that i had definitely never heard of before but it is a legend that's associated with alexander the great <laughs> and and it is often used as a metaphor for um a problem that is impossible a disentangling of the impossible knot um it's not solved easily by loopholes or it's it's refer to in the sense of thinking outside the box or quote cutting the Gordian knot which I think speaks a lot to her ancestry and where she's coming from and how she's completely 
kind of flipped, you know, where her ancestors may have wanted her to yeah, go. Yeah, I like it. I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was funny, too, because the idea, too, I think with Alexander the Great, as far as his story with the Gordian Knot, is that it's solved by just cheating. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's right. the only way to... <laughs> you have to cheat to solve it. You can't actually... Like, you can't undo it. Um, you have to clip it or snip it to get it to undo itself. Um, I don't really know what that means in terms of story. Maybe it's just that... Uh, maybe the, maybe that's represented by the, the deus ex machina of the horned serpent. Or the... <laughs> or, I don't know. Maybe with... Uh, Gormley exploding, <laughs> or Maybe. or with William just showing up because she randomly screams her father's name when when she's about to die. Yeah. Um, so. Maybe those are the cheats in the story that are acknowledged by the by the not. But I, I and you you see it a lot in the video. But it's kind of implied through the video and through the writing that the the knot kind of is all over the place in the imagery. It's kind of like a hidden Mickey, <laughs> but like all over Ilverborny. They put <laughs> nice. it in all of their artwork. I love that parallel. That's hilarious. <laughs> hidden, hidden, hidden knots. Hidden knot. Yeah. So, cuz it's it's interesting too cuz you can do that knot um in a kind of very simplified version or you can have a much larger elaborate version of the knot. Um the one that's the the video shows is old with a very simplified version of the knot as her necklace. But the Ilvermorty crest has a more elaborate knot, um, and there's 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 kind of a mix of it all throughout the the imagery of the school. So, but it's I, I do like that she kind of she Rowling really looked to a lot of strong Irish mythology imagery um, in her in her stuff with his old. Um, it's not just kind of here and there. It's very, very much threaded through her story. Does she have any Irish in her? I don't know. I don't either. Did anyone, I, I guess nobody then has seen her. Who do you nope. think of our episode? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. No. We can't all be perfect. It's fine. Someone listening but has, don't I... tell us. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I couldn't help thinking too, as you guys were discussing, kind of the, um, the idea of the house being the ho the houses and the structure being so based on Hogwarts. I had wondered too because some people, some of the some fans had kind of bemoaned that there weren't more differences between Ilvermorny and Hogwarts, and that it, since it was so intrinsically tied to Hogwarts, that some people were kind of complaining that it didn't really have its own identity in some ways, but. And we'll get into this just a little bit with the houses. We're not going to touch on it completely, but we'll get we'll touch on it just a tad. But I had also kind of wondered, too, if this wasn't, in addition to being a clever way to tie it back to the Harry Potter story, at the same time, maybe this also wasn't kind of just a little a, a bone to the American fans by saying, I know you want to go to Hogwarts so badly. Yeah. So... I'm gonna give you yeah. your version of Hogwarts, and it's basically gonna. Well, be and I think I think it all, it works with like American history though too, and like the founding of America, we set up a lot of our institutions based off of British institutions because that's who was in charge. Was I mean, 
we're going a little bit more forward in time, but I mean, mm-hmm. we set up mm-hmm. our Congress and a lot of things based off of British Parliament and the way things had been before. So it makes sense to me that it would be patterned after something that she knew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a ways that's what makes this more successful as a story than the North American yeah. writings. Because it definitely is. Yeah. There is that. I think Rowling was accused of being slightly unaware of certain aspects of American and Native American culture that kind of made those stories fall flat in comparison to this one. And this one perhaps does succeed so well because it. It, it it is more based on like you said Allison that importing of traditions and appropriation and kind of changing um, British tradition into an American tradition mm-hmm. so but uh, of course the big discussion uh, is these four houses that uh, exist within within Ilvermorny so I'll go ahead and read here this uh, this birth of the four houses, and it it comes from uh, Chadwick and Webster hearing about Hogwarts from their mother and really liking the idea of having four houses and Webster wanting to have house competitions. Um, so uh, they decided to all choose their favorite magical beast because Webster felt that if they named the houses after themselves, nobody would ever <laughs> want to be in them. So, uh, it starts with, for Chadwick, an intelligent but often temperamental boy, it was the Thunderbird that can create storms as it flies. So, we're also going to get mention of two more animals. We don't get a lot of uh, uh, background on these two other creatures that we hear about, but again, the Thunderbird was one of them. For argumentative but fiercely loyal Webster, it was the Wampus, a magical panther-like creature that was fast strong, and almost impossible to kill. For Isolt, it was, of course, the horned serpent that she still visited and with which she felt a strange sense of kinship. When asked what his favorite creature was, James was at a loss. The only nomad in the family was unable to consort with the magical creatures the others had begun to know so well. Finally, he named the Pukwudgie, because the stories his wife told of curmudgeonly William always made him laugh. And I should also point out, too, that later on the story mentions that the four houses um, represent different parts, are, are said to represent different parts of the body, with the mind for Horned Serpent, the body for Wampus, the heart for Pukwudgie, and the soul for Thunderbird. While others say that Horned Serpent favors scholars, Wampus warriors, Pukwudgie healers, and Thunderbird adventurers. Um... And as we'll explore a little more, the houses uh, don't quite select you in the same way that the sorting hat does. Uh, the sorting works out a little differently, and uh, we'll get into that in a future episode of Alohomora. But And before we um, reveal ourselves, because we will tell you, listeners, finally, what our houses are, but uh, I do have to say the the ending is of this story is very bittersweet. Um, kind of the idea that William got a heart, and that he may <laughs> still be 
hanging around on the grounds, um, still a, still an integral part of Ilvermorny. Mm-hmm. Um, may, maybe Kat can discover that when she goes to visit <laughs> Ilvermorny. Yeah, maybe I'll find him. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can have a do an interview with with William the Puckwudgie and see what you okay. can get out of him. <laughs> I'll see what I can come up with. See what I can do. <laughs> but uh, so the uh, so all of us uh, have stood in front of the four statues. We have. And we we have been sorted. So who would like to reveal their house first? I'll go, because I already put mine online. <laughs> so, you know, it's out there. <laughs> I, it, after taking the quiz quickly in a hostel in London, I was sorted into Puckwudgie. Which, oh. yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I thought I would, I mean, I'm not disappointed at all because I think it fits with me very well. But I, I thought I was going to go more along the lines of Thunderbird. So, mm. because that also feels very right to me with my personality. But I am very pleased, actually. And you were you were on an adventure yeah. as you were being Yeah, sorted. so, I mean, so. I, I will be honest, I have multiple Pottermore accounts, so I'll probably go take it again sometime. <laughs> but I, I'm happy with Pukwudgie. I think it's a great house. Well, Allison and I are housemates nice. because I'm also Pukwudgie. Yes. Um, I was quite surprised by it. <laughs> um, I thought that... So I love these houses because I, unlike probably a lot of people think they're actually quite unique from Hogwarts houses um, and the way I think about them. But I know that's for another episode. But um, I thought I was going to be Horned Serpent, um, both mostly just the way the questions were geared and the way I felt I was answering. Um, I was very surprised, and I had to think about this for a long time if I was, like, accepting of this. <laughs> but um, I'm actually, really, like Allison said, very happy about it. I think it fits me very well. Um, it's interesting to sort yourself as an adult versus like self-sorting yourself long ago when the books first started. I think that changes a lot of things. Uh, mm. But yeah, I- I'm super happy about it. And man, William's awesome. Yeah. So I'm hyped about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to hear we have two Puckwudgies already because I wasn't hearing a lot oh, of Puckwudgies. See, I feel like I've, I've seen either. a lot of yeah. Puckwudgies. But yeah. Oh. Huh. Oh, not me. I uh, <laughs> I took I took the quiz before I read anything because I didn't want my questions to be skewed in any uh, way, my answers story, to be skewed yeah. in any way. So um, I took that first, and I ended up in Thunderbird, nice. which I did cool. not expect whatsoever. Um, I also expected to be in Horned Serpent. However... Um, I'm okay with Thunderbird. It's fine. I'm definitely an adventurer. I, I travel a ton, and I love to just explore. Um, I don't know how much I connect with the soul, but I'll take it. It's fine. Thunderbird. It's cool. It's. I mean, it relates to Ravenclaw. You know, they're both birds. <laughs> they fly. Yeah, you, you still get to go, it's- <laughs> Yeah, I do, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not sure that's what a thunderbird sounds like. Flap <laughs> your wings noise. as you caw, and there you go. There's the thunderbird. <laughs> I can't make a, a noise. There's no audio noise okay, for yeah, flapping of wings okay, that no, I can right. that I can make. <laughs> I mean, well, I was tweeted about this matter quite a bit. Uh, I was tweeted by Ian Wagner, who who wanted me to be in Wampus. 
I was tweeted by Stephanie, better known as Yo Rufus on Fire, who wanted me in Pakwaji. Uh, mm-hmm. I was uh, tweeted by, let's see, oh, uh, by David, who um, was w- our British listener who I heard <laughs> on. In the <laughs> 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 who Hi, a, David. <laughs> a Hufflepuff Thunderbird combo and was hoping that I would be. And, um,. Gosh, who are you, Harry Potter? Like, everyone wants you in their house. (laughs) I'm everybody. I'm everything. I am a Thunderbird. Nice. Oh, we got two and two. Yeah. Two and two. So I am quite happy with my sorting. Like everybody else here, I was surprised because I was thinking I was going to get Puckwudgie. This is why the sorting is so great. I know. It's so awesome. Beautiful. And that... Yeah, and if you think about the pairings between us, they're all they're yeah, different, yeah, which I love. I yeah. love it. I love. I love it. what I love about oh, this amazing. sorting is that we have no preconceived notions about them. Like it's not like when we got yeah. sorted into Hogwarts and like I got sorted into Hufflepuff and had an identity crisis for like a week because I had never, you know, like it's it's great because we can all just be like, yeah, that fits with me instead of. They put me in Slytherin. I'm a terrible person, and I didn't know this about myself, or you know. And I think that's the best part of this is that we're all kind of a clean slate, and so everyone can be like, "You're this. That's really cool. I'm this, and that's really cool too." I love yeah. it. Yeah, I will say though, with I will agree that that is the way people should be taking it. However, I immediately saw people already pulling the Hufflepuff move with yeah very quickly yeah on Facebook. <laughs> it's and the I was name like, how do you get that? how do you how do you yeah maybe the name and then like for the first and i'm not gonna get into this too much because but i just gotta get this on my chest like because i know we're gonna like talk about this on a future episode but like i understand now like how hufflepuffs felt <laughs> when people like came from the house like yo that's my fat like we ain't gonna do this like you don't know anything about this like Slow down. We good. Yeah. yeah. We got the puck wedges on our there side. There we go. <laughs> got yeah. Got so many more people who relate to us over and Sympathizers. That's right. Um, I did just finish taking the Elver uh, Morning House Yay! sorting house thing <laughs> while you guys were talking. And, and I am a puck wedgie, Yay! which is what I thought I would be at the beginning. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the house. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's perfect. I... I had after I um, got sorted the next night. I um, read it to Leandra and sorted her, and she also joined Thunderbird with me, which we were Ooh. very happy about since we're both in Hufflepuff. So we were both Hufflepuff Thunderbird combos. And actually, since um, we didn't we didn't think, uh, even though we know Cat uses Kaka for Ravenclaw, we we decided that since Thunderbirds make storms wherever they go, uh, for Thunderbird we go. Oh. <laughs> Like so that's Okay, I can do that. No, <laughs> that's our Thunderbird I sound. I, I hmm? don't think I can make that noise, Michael. Make make you can't make the of the thunder. No, I'll practice. I'll practice. That's <laughs> yeah, more of that kind of <laughs> I'm looking because we did a poll on the MuggleNet Twitter and let's see, we had just over two thousand votes um within just a couple hours. And eleven percent were Wampus, forty one percent Thunderbird, twenty one percent Horned Serpent, and twenty seven percent Pukwudgie. Hmm. No, that's about what wow. I've seen. It's pretty representative. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Thunderbird is like, okay, and we're not going to compare these and we're not going to talk about it, but (laughs) it's like the Gryffindor. Yeah. And I had a big 
I mean, a big crisis. We'll get there because, like, sorry, I can't. Okay, we can't talk about it. It's gonna start. We'll save yeah, it for it, another episode. That will come later down the line because now we can do that with topic. Yay! Episodes. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I feel like we did a pretty good job on our first one here. Yeah. Guys. yeah. I think that that's really like what we wanted to tackle, isn't it? We got to. I think so. <laughs> Sarah, how did we do? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> She's <laughs> but, like, uh, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll barely pass. <laughs> we'll let you go with that. Right. She. That's good. She doesn't. She doesn't want to give us an A plus right off the bat. She doesn't. She wants to leave room for improvement, right? Right. I That's I feel like it's publisher. I feel like it's very interesting though because I feel like when you're discussing a book chapter, you tend to go more in chronological order. Where with some of these topics, there's not exactly a nope. chronological <laughs> order to go by, so it's, it's a lot different to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. I think yeah. future topics will be different because this, we kind of did have a story to go through, um, whereas other topics, it will be like very point-based, kind of like we did toward the end of the reread. Well, we're excited to hear what the listeners have to say about it. So guys, definitely give us feedback, please, because we want to grow with you and give you the show that you want. So let us know what you think, please. Absolutely. And we want to formally thank Sarah for joining us for this first episode in this new format. Uh, Sarah, it was really great to have you. Thanks so much for contributing and getting into this new way of things with us. Thanks. I had a lot of fun, and it was great to talk to you guys. And she got sorted and everything. Yeah, I did. I know. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And if you want to come join us on our good time fun show that we do cool stuff with, um, Go submit a topic, because that's a good way to get on the show. Because if you have a topic you really want to discuss, we want to discuss it with you. So go on over to our main site. Up at the top, there's going to be a topic submit button, and you can just click on that. So go give us all of the things you want to talk about, because there's so much that there's so much to talk about. Yeah, if you want to, you know, listeners, if you want to talk about Ilvermorny, just because we did this episode on Ilvermorny, that is hardly the end of that topic on Alohomora. So if you Mm -hmm. want to specifically talk about it, let us know because you're more likely to get put on a show about a specific topic if that's what you tell us you'd like to be on. Yes. And if you do get put on a show, all you need is a set of basic headphones with a microphone like you would get from Apple. Nothing fancy. And we Mm -hmm. look forward to talking to you because that's the best part of this show is when we get to chat with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can chat with us at any time over on Twitter at AlohomoraMN, Facebook.com slash Open the Dumbledore. Our website, of course, is alohomora.mugglenet.com. And don't forget, you can always send us an owl to Audioboom. Click over to alohomora.mugglenet.com. Keep your message under 60 seconds and you might hear yourself on the show. And just so you guys know, actually, we are not renewing our phone number. 206-GO-ALBUS <laughs> is going away. So don't call 206-462-5287 anymore it will be gone. So send us an audio boom if you want to talk to us. It's free. You can do it on your phone. There's an app. It's really easy. Do that. And once again, we want to remind you to uh, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash where you can sponsor the show. 
For as low as $1 a month, you'll get special perks for doing that, and it helps us to keep these topic-based episodes going and keep a space hosted for the Alohomora archive, because we've actually had some of you ask, will the show continue to be hosted so that you can listen to it? If Because some of you have said, I want to reread Harry Potter again, and I want to listen to the show from the beginning. Yes! Especially if you help out with Patreon, we can keep it up for you guys to listen to. Um, so d- again, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash alohomora. And before we say our outros, uh, we should also mention too, as we're kind of trying to keep, uh, throughout, to keep reminding you guys of throughout the uh, month of July, uh, it would seem that almost all of us will be attending, uh, Cursed Child release parties, and we want to make sure and let you know where we will all be. So if you would like to come join us at the release party we have chosen, you can do that. I, for one, will be going to Book People in downtown Austin for my chosen release party. Oh, of course you asked me, and I don't remember <laughs> the name of the bookstore again. Uh, Come on, I gotta go. Um, I have go. already seen it, and so I am very, very, very excited to have that book <laughs> in my hands because, guys, I loved it. Loved it. And if you want to see my... Spoiler, it's, No, it's good. it is. It, I mean, it's got a few issues, but the good outweighs the bad. And if you want to see my spoiler-free uh, review of it, I actually posted it on my blog, which is on my Twitter. So go on and look at that because that was a good time, and I basically just... Loved it all. Um, but I will be going to the Barnes & Noble in Salt Lake City. Um, still trying to nail down plans, but that's where I'll be. <laughs> in the Gateway Mall, I think. I should check that. But I think that's it. Caleb, where are you going? Uh, so I will sadly not be attending a party because <gasps> I will be on an island in the Caribbean. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a rough wants, time. <laughs> if anyone wants to come find me, um, <laughs> we could definitely party for Harry Potter at midnight in the Caribbean. Just let me know. <laughs> we could read it on like our iPad or something. <laughs> so I'm going to be in Boston with, as I mentioned before, senior journalist for MuggleNet, Jessica, at Porter Square Books. So where MuggleNet is actually hosting the party there. So come and we will have some fun prizes and some trivia. And uh, you can meet some other MuggleNet staff members as well. So that'll definitely be a good time. Porter Square Books in Boston. And guys, I just have to say, I cannot wait until everyone's read it. Because this whole episode was torture. Because I wanted to say so many things that connected to Cursed Child. <laughs> and I couldn't say anything. Hey, you don't. Because that's almost a spoiler. That's not almost. <laughs> you have no idea. It what is I'm almost a spoiler. She spoiled everything. Why bother Shush. reading? It? <laughs> Young just, lady. Just so you all know, when we get to that point, I cannot wait to discuss it with everyone. So and well, we, we will... have less than a month yep. to go, <laughs> and we. And we will be doing, um, we, we have already said and committed to, we will be doing a read-through of Cursed Child and discussing it on the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank God. We haven't, wor- we haven't worked out the details yet, so keep a watch out on our social yeah. media. We'll let you know. But that is happening. But for now, it's off to our respective Ilvermorny common rooms for the nights. I am Michael Harley. I'm Kat Miller. I'm Caleb Graves. And I'm Allison Sigurd. Thank you for listening to episode 197 of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore. To Ilvermorny! Yay!
I do? You open the Dumbledore. (laughs) (laughs) You make. I I know that. Um, I need like a an Ilvermorny related something. Yeah, I need like a say it in your best Irish accent. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb did it better than I did. (laughs) What's the noise, Michael? Uh, No, that was Caleb making. That's an explosion. That was a good, yeah, that was a good, that was a, that was a, that was a really good one. That is a, that's a severe warning, thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that it? I don't, am I making the noise right? I don't, I don't know. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Yeah, we talked about I it. I don't either. <clears throat> I have no idea. I could say something else. Open the, um, I don't have to say oh. Dumbledore. Open the William. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That sounds like you're going to dissect him. You can't, yeah, you can't add another name onto that. <laughs> There's no other names that sound like doors in this story. Yeah, that's true. Open oh. the Webster Dictionary. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> Maybe it'll just be a normal one today. It can be yeah, okay. We can do normal. Be normal. Okay. Open the Dumbledore. To Ilvermorning. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's... That's... Okay, do it again and do it for Okay, sorry, it just popped into my head right at the end, so... (laughs) Okay.